Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. One Sunday morning, the pastor noticed little Alex was staring at the large plaque that hung in the foyer of the church. And it was covered with names and small American flags were mounted on the sides of it. Well, the seven-year-old had been staring at the plaque for some time. And so the pastor walked up and stood beside the little boy and said quietly, Good morning, Alex. Good morning, pastor, replied Alex, still focused on the plaque. Pastor, what is this? Well, son, it's a memorial to the young men and women who died in the service. And little Alex's voice was barely audible when he asked, which service, the 10:15 or the 11 o'clock? <laughs> Copies available at the church. Okay, Calvary Chapel, a little quiz for you. From John chapter 10, if you've been with us, I want you to look at verse 6. John chapter 10 and verse 6, Jesus is giving an illustration of the sheep and the shepherd. And here's your little quiz. I want you to just kind of yell out and just kind of give me the answer. The sheepfold represents who? The Jewish nation, right? Or Israel. Uh, The sheep represent who? The Jews. Very good. The Jewish people. And the door represents all the messianic prophecies that were fulfilled in Christ, which gave him rightful entry into the sheepfold. And the other sheep represent who, y'all? The Gentiles. Very good. That would be you and me. And the thieves and the robbers represent who? The false teachers or the Pharisees. Very good. Look at verse 22, 21. There was a division and a schism and an argument because they didn't believe what Jesus was saying. At the same time, some did believe, and they said, these are not the words of someone who is a demon, who is demon-possessed. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And so they're divided. Now, if you've been with us in Calvary Chapel, you know in John's Gospel, over and over I've been telling you that Jesus claims to be God and nothing less. Jesus is not a God. Are you listening? Jesus is not one of many gods. He is not a lesser God. Jesus is the one, the true, and the only God in human form. And Jesus backs up his claim by healing the blind and feeding the hungry and raising the dead. And Jesus would say, I'm the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. Verse 30. I, look at verse 30, I and the Father are what? One, but the Jews willfully refused and chose to remain in stubborn unbelief. Now listen, 
we come to the conclusion of chapter 10. And uh, chapter 10, and get your pen and get your pad because you want to take some notes, all right? Chapter 10 is the end of Jesus' public ministry. And Jesus has had enough. Chapter 11 through chapter 22, um, Jesus is going to spend his time privately investing in those who believe from chapters 11 through chapter 22. But here in chapter 10, he ends his public ministry. Chapter 10 is Jesus writing in stone the unbelief of the nation. Did y'all get that? He's writing in stone the unbelief of the nation. I've titled this sermon in defense of deity. John chapter 10. Oh, there you are, Uncle Doug. You all right? Okay, good. Don't get me all concerned about you. Get on back in here. All right, John chapter 10. Look at verse uh, 31. If you're looking at verse 31, say amen. Uh, I need y'all to say it better than that. Look at verse 31. If you're there, 31, say amen. And then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, Many good works have I shown you from my Father. For which of those works, in verse 32, do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for what, saints? Blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered them and said, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? Hmm. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken, underline that. Do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God? If I do not do the works of my fathers, don't believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works. And here's why, that you might know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. And he went away, in verse 40, again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. And there he stayed. And then many came to him and said, John performed those signs. But all the things that John spoke about this man, Jesus, were true. And many believed in him there. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention, if you will. Were you with me last week? Just by show of hands. Were you with me last week? Uh, just a hair, not too much. And then my voice is a little funny, so we'll play around. Last week, um, the scene is the Feast of Dedication, the 25th of Chesluv or Chesliv, it's Hanukkah. Got a pen? Hanukkah means dedication. The Feast of Dedication is a memorial of Judas Maccabeus. If you were with me last week, you know we talked about this in depth. And you can go to the bookstore and pick up a copy of the CD if you missed last week's teaching. It's 167 BC. Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple by slaughtering a pig on the altar to the Greek god Zeus. It's 164 BC. Judas Maccabeus, nicknamed the Hammer, staged a rebellion in three years, delivered Jerusalem from the hands of Antiochus Epiphanes, and the temple was restored to Israel. And the Feast of Dedication was established by Judas Maccabeus. So I told you last week that the Feast of Dedications is not a Jewish, um, on the Jewish calendar. 
or it's not a feast that's ordained by God. God told the people of Israel to celebrate this feast. It's a feast in memorial to the rededication of the temple as the temple was reclaimed from Antiochus Epiphanes by this Jewish patriot. His name is Judas Maccabeus. We talked about that last time. So in our text, it's at the Feast of Dedication, and Jesus is walking around, and he's pacing, and he's musing on Solomon's portico. Look at verse 24, saints. Tells us the Jews surrounded Jesus and said, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, then tell us plainly. Look at verse 25. Jesus said, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. In other words, my works and my words speak of my Messiahship. Jesus was the Messiah, but they couldn't see it and accept it and believe it. And the reason they couldn't see it and accept it and believe it is because Jesus said, you are not my sheep. John chapter 7, look at verse 27. John 10, look at verse 27. Jesus said, my sheep in the Greek constantly hear my voice, and I know them in the Greek intrinsically and completely, and they in the Greek continually follow me. Look at verse 28 and 29. Are y'all with me? Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall what? Never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. The good shepherd tells us that if we believe, we will never perish. In the Greek, remember I told you that they shall never perish is the word not, not. The word never is not, not, no, not ever. I told you your take-away take homework last week was the word not, not. Did you remember it? No, you did not. Not, not. Never, never perish. Well, at this point, the Jews are so frustrated and infuriated. Look at verse 30. Jesus said, I and the Father are what? One. And then in verse 31, what did they do? They took up stones to kill him. Interesting. They asked Jesus to tell them if he's the Christ. Jesus gave them the right, truthful answer to their questions, and they take up stones to kill him. That makes no sense. If you want to know who I am, I'm telling you who I am, and they take up stones to kill him. And look at verse 32. Verse 32, Jesus, I have written in my margin, Jesus is cool as a cucumber. Write that down. Jesus is cool as a cucumber. He said, many good works have I shown you for my father. Which one of them are you wanting to kill me for? Jesus says, okay, fellas, let's get it right. Let's get it straight. I've done a lot. I can hear, almost hear Jesus saying, listen, fellas, help me help you. <laughs> help me help you. Let's get it straight. Which one of the good works that I have done that you are wanting to stone me for? Is it because I opened the eyes of the blind? Or do you want to stone me because I cleansed the leper? Do you want to stone me because I raised someone from the dead? Or literally I've given someone a new chance at life? Are you wanting to stone me for casting out demons? Jesus says, for which of these good works are you wanting to stone me? Look at verse 33. The Jews piped up and said, for a good work we do not stone you, but for what, saints? And because you are a man and you make yourself God. 
Now listen, verse 33 is the religious Jewish commentary on verse 30. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. They are saying, we are not stoning you. In other words, they understood when Jesus said, are y'all listening? They understood when Jesus said, I and the Father are one. They understood Jesus to be claiming to be God. That was clear to them. Now, I don't know why the Jehovah's Witnesses can't get this. And I don't know what the problem is with the Mormons. What the problem is. The Jews wanted to kill Jesus because he claimed to be God. Simple point blank period. And this is why they wanted to stone him. They're saying, we're not stoning you for your good works. We're stoning you because you're making yourself to be God. Now, listen, listen, I always tell you, don't I listen? As your pastor, I always tell you, read the Bible. Read the words in the Bible. Read the words on the page, not what you think it says, but read what it does say. And it says, because you being a man, make yourself God. Listen, they are missing something big time and really important. And what they're missing is, listen, he isn't a man making himself to be God. He was God making himself to be man. Did y'all get that? All right. All right. And what are you talking about, Willis? Well, John chapter 1, verse 1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, and the Word, chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. But Jesus made himself of no reputation and taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Listen, the truth is he wasn't a man making himself God. He was God making himself man. Somebody say amen and clap your hands. Will you do that? And I love what... Ray Stedman, a pastor and a theologian, he said this. He said, either Jesus is totally a mad person or he is telling the truth. And if he is telling the truth, he is the most important being in the universe. He is at the center of everything. He is the center of life, the giver of truth. Jesus of Nazareth is the center of everything. And to ignore him is to grope in darkness, to live in rebellion, to miss out on joy, peace, and love. Look at verse 34. Jesus begins now. If you want to write something in your margin, you write this. Jesus is beginning a simple little logic thing. It's very simple, very logical here. Jesus' point is not a conclusive argument. It's a defense, a deflection, if you will, a diversion. It doesn't settle the issue, but it does make the point. Jesus said in verse 34, it is written in your law, I said, you are God's. Isn't that interesting? It's written in your law, I said. Again, Jesus is making himself to be God. I said that in your law. Not God said, not God the Father said, but I said. 
Jesus making himself to be God. Now listen, this statement doesn't bring conclusion again, but it does buy him some time before they try and seize him again. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know in the Old Testament, and if you don't know, write it down. This is critical Christianity 101 stuff, okay? In the Old Testament, judges were often referred to as gods, small g, gods. The Hebrew word for gods is Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M, Elohim, El-God. Im is plurality, speaks of plurality of gods. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Elohim. But the Hebrew word for, for gods is Elohim or the same word for judges. The judges received their appointment to rule from God. They had the responsibility of judging God's people. And the justice they executed was God's justice. And the judgment was God's judgment. And rebellion was rebellion against God himself. Jesus says, it is written in your law. So where is it written? Write it in your margins. Psalm 82, 1 and 2. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Salah, verse 6, I have said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men, and all like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Exodus chapter 22 Verse 8 and 9. Again, it is written. Where is it written? Exodus 22, Psalm 82, Exodus 22, 8 and 9. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the Elohim to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, clothing, or for any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the Elohim judges, and whoever the Elohim condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. So listen, judges were called gods. They were responsible to enact God's laws. Jesus is saying if God uses the term gods for something less than God, man Is it feasible that he would use the same term, the son of God, for his son? Again, the defense is simply brought time to keep the stones from flying and also, I believe, brought time to give Jesus one last opportunity for them to believe. Well, look at verse 35. And if he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken, verse 36 Do you say of him who the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I'm the son of God? Now listen, it's simple. If God called human judges gods and that was okay, then why do you say of him who the father has sanctified and sent into the world that I'm blaspheming because I said I'm the son of God? Jesus is simply saying these guys were on earth and they are called gods and even sometimes they're called the son of God. Job chapter one, verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came in the presence of God. Job chapter 38 
when the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. Jesus is saying, can I be called the son of God when I was with him from the start? In other words, if you're bugged about somebody being called God, your own Old Testament scriptures called human judges gods or sons of God. So relax. And there's something I want you to see here and I want you to understand and learn from Jesus. Very easy for you to miss. I want you to notice, look at me. I want you to notice here that Jesus is arguing and making his point from the scriptures. When he says it is written, he is referring to it is written where? In the Bible, in the scriptures. Can I encourage you? Take people to the scriptures to prove your position. Use the word of God. I'm waiting while you clap your hands. Don't tell people what you think because people don't care what you think. Amen. Don't tell people what your feelings are because people don't care about what your feelings are. Don't tell people what your opinion is because everybody has an opinion. Am I right about it? Tell people what the word of God says. Now, let me tell you a little, a little something, something. In order for you to tell people what the word of God says, you got to know what the word of God says. That means you need to read it. Makes sense to me. All right. So take people to the scriptures. Point people to, we're doing this because the Bible says do that. I think of, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, you know the story, don't you? It's the first B-Day of the church. And Pentecost was also known as the Feast of Weeks, Leviticus 23, 15 through 22. Pentecost means 50. It was the 50th day after Jesus rose from the grave that he ascended into heaven. So it's on the day of Pentecost, the disciples and the followers of Jesus were all sitting and praying and waiting. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. It wasn't the wind. It wasn't wind. It was like the wind. Are y'all listening to me? It was like the wind. Don't learn your theology or your Bible from the cartoons. Amen. Some folks look at Hanna-Barbera cartoons. They be like, oh, yeah, that's what the Bible said. The Bible don't say that. And so they show the Holy Spirit coming through and the wind blowing, people blowing around and stuff blowing and wigs blowing off and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, that's not what happened. The sound came like the wind. The Bible says, then appeared cloven tongues as of fire, which was the visible manifestation of the presence of God. Now listen, really important. Notice they were waiting. They weren't doing anything. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall. They weren't doing anything. They weren't running around and trying to work themselves up in the frenzy for the Holy Spirit to fall. That's my church background, y'all. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? But some folks be running around. Some churches, not here at Calvary Chapel, all right? Let me tell y'all, not here. You get up and run around here, you got to go, all right? And we got some people that can get you up out of here, all right? But they get to running around, working themselves up into the frenzy so the Holy Spirit can fall. Paula. 
You know, they weren't doing all that. They were waiting and they were sitting and waiting for the Holy Spirit. And then finally, 50 days of waiting after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit filled the room and the believers began to speak with other tongues. Now, there are some people who say that the evidence, and some of y'all know where I'm going right here, that the evidence that you are a Christian is that you will speak in tongues. Who knows what I'm talking about? They say you, if you are a Christian, when you receive Jesus, then all of a sudden you should start speaking in tongues. And some churches say that when you get saved, it will be evidenced by speaking in tongues. And they really believe the evidence of salvation is speaking in tongues. So when you accept Christ, they bring you down front and do all kinds of things to get you to speak in tongues. I've been to these services where they're making people speak in tongues. The pastor would say, okay, everybody raise a hand and speak. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.